The MX Vice Show. All right, welcome everybody to episode 143 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we talk to the great man, MX2 star and Isaac Gifting. Before we get to him, we'd like to thank our sponsors for the start of this one in Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Vlandrin Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas Bogers, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Psyker, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more in stock ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. All right, Isaac, thanks for joining us, mate. And how's life at the moment in Paris? Thanks a lot. Thanks for yeah letting me be on the podcast. Uh, life's all right. Not bad. Uh, just got back from the UK, back to Paris, France. Yeah, congratulations on wrapping up the title there, mate. Must have been pretty satisfying reward for all your hard work. It's been a challenging season for sure, mate. And that program was obviously pieced together pretty late. So must have been great for you and the team to sort of bask in the glory, mate, and look back on what's been a pretty tough year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was nice to get it done now. Uh, I've been looking forward to yeah, getting that title all year. And I think the race before this last one was like two months ago. And I could already clinch the title there. But yeah, I messed up a little bit. And yeah, that, that made me like have to stay injury-free and healthy for another two months to make sure I could like take the title. So always been in the back of my mind until now so it's pretty good to have it to have it done and yeah obviously for everyone involved that yeah sorted out this deal for me so i could do the british championship it's good to yeah be able to clinch the title yeah mate how was the mindset heading into the week and obviously you managed it you just wanted to bank the points but how was it were you a bit nervous mate or you just handled it all pretty well uh i, I felt all right like coming into it, it was no no stress at all i had done the turkey gp and stuff just before that and uh, no i felt all right then i was yeah i was a little bit nervous to, to mess something up there on the day and yeah i i think i led with 42 points coming into the weekend and yeah so i could basically win the title off the first race already and yeah i think i stood like far outside in the start to make sure I could avoid all the problems. Then the rain poured down just before the start, so it was a complete mud race. Long start straight came into the corner there and got together with some guys and had a yeah, big start crash. Got stuck together with another bike and yeah, it was a big mess. Like yeah, it was a disaster honestly. I thought like, yeah, this is not happening. Yeah. But uh fortunately I could uh, just right around the finish race in like, I don't know, 14th or something and win the title anyway. So that was yeah. right. And then I could do a better race in the second moto. Yeah, it sounded like a pretty brutal day, mate. How do you like the track up there? Obviously a lot of chat about it. Our colleague at MX Vice, Brad Wheeler, has got some pretty choice words to say about it. So how do you sort of see it and what's your take on it? Yeah, I've heard some negative comments about it, but I think it's a pretty cool place. And the track's actually really good. If you get enough water on it and 
like get it ripped deep enough and that you get all the rust and stuff. It's really good. Like uh, Sunday morning there in practice and stuff, it wasn't, yeah, it was a bit like flat and stuff and yeah, not very exciting. But then we had that mud race in the first photo and it dried up for the second one. So then for the second model, the track was really good, actually. Like big ruts, very technical, challenging, uh, and still some jumps and stuff. So that was pretty cool, like a GP track. Yeah, awesome, mate. It's been talked that they'd love to do a GP there. How do you think it stacks up in terms of that world elite level? Do you reckon they could make it work? Maybe a bit hard with the infrastructure, but it's always good to have conversations about getting new tracks on the calendar, isn't it? I mean, I think they could make it work. Like, just on top of that mountain, you you do have like quite a big paddock i think you could you could fit everything there i I think that's all right but then for the audience and stuff uh i don't know really but you could probably just put up some stands and stuff or whatever you call it where they can where they can sit like they do in uh the spanish gp in madrid and stuff Uh, i think they could make it work it would be a pretty cool place like the tracks big enough i mean yeah i think it will do just maybe make it a little bit wider at places and uh make sure you can't cut the track anywhere because now it's a bit open but yeah that that's not going to be a problem yeah sure they can yeah, they can sort it out yeah awesome mate and just one last one on the british just how did you find the level was it a bit of preparation for you mixing that with mx2 Guess it sort of holds you in pretty good stead, mate. Obviously, it's not as good as it has been in the past, but still, it's a solid hit out. Good test for you. Not doing MX2, you can slot back in there and get some good track time and get some gate drops. Still feel like you're getting that intensity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been good racing a bit more and yeah, getting to win some races and stuff. It's it's good for your confidence. And uh, yeah, the races has been like the competition has been different all the races like some some new riders come and then someone get injured and uh obviously jack chambers came done some races we had some good fights and then tommy searle jumped into this last one here so yeah no it's been been decent racing kept me on the edge for sure yeah there was a talk about in the last podcast ben and brad did about the trophy with chambers so who owns that at the moment mate have you still got it I think I think I still got it. I think so. Or someone else has got it, but I don't keep track of them. Nah, that's all good, mate. And yeah, onto the MX2. Just talk about your most recent effort in Turkey. Really impressive stuff. Doing what you're doing, leading laps, running out front. Even though you were sick, so that was a pretty cool weekend, mate. Must have been another boost to confidence for you. How did you find that track? Obviously, the atmosphere is not superb there because it's just the location and the fans don't really get into it. But, mate, plenty of positives to be extracted from that weekend for you. Yeah, that was a big confidence boost for me. Uh, actually, I've only led like half a lap before this and then went down. So to lead 20 minutes was <laughs> quite a big step for me. And yeah, just finally get that good start and, and mixing it up in the front there felt very good. Uh, unfortunately, I woke up there Sunday morning with fever. Uh, I think probably for something I ate. I knew I know the Conan brothers had the same issue that weekend. Uh, so that that was a bit unfortunate because yeah, after those twenty minutes I was finished, and then for the second race, yeah, I felt very bad. Uh, I decided to line up anyway. I done like a lap or two, and then I just said, yeah, there's no point in me doing this. Uh, so yeah especially having the British coming up the weekend after. 
wanted to make sure I could I could go there and yeah not feel too bad so I could do what I have to do over there. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And you're looking forward to Majora this weekend as well. Should be another great event. Pretty cool track. I'm sure you'll be equipped to do well again, mate. Battling it out. It should be some pretty good guys in there as always. And maybe get in the mix between Adamo and Everts again, mate, and see if you can be a bit of a spoiler in that championship battle too. Just get amongst it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I know I can I can always be up there. If I'm if I'm there in the start, normally mm. I can I can follow those guys. Uh so I just need to stay sharp and focus on the starts. Uh it should be all right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I will have some friends coming over. And uh, I think I think I had a good race there last year. I finished third in one mm. of the motors. So, yeah, I think so. Pretty muddy, yeah, wasn't it? Positive. Yeah, I think you're right on the Sunday there. It's pretty muddy. So, mate, you'll be yeah. primed for a good one, I reckon. So, But, yeah, just to talk about your season, it's been a pretty wild season, mate. Obviously, the Itachi KTM guys closing down, put you in a massive hole, and then you had those knee issues before as well. So, Definitely not an ideal preparation for the year, but considering all that going on, you've found some great people to work with, and I'm sure you're really grateful for them working with you. Obviously, the VHR guys, the MX2 team, you're based in Paris, in France. There. How have they been? How have you found it all? Have you found it a tough sort of balance, mixing the two, mixing the two championship, or have you just enjoyed it and taken it all in your stride? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a tough year, especially in the beginning there. Like you said, I came back from an ACL injury, and... Uh, just as I started to get going again, yeah, then the cle- the team folded in February there, which made me miss the, yeah, the start of the GP and, and all that. So, yeah, instead of riding, I was like, yeah, sitting on a couch trying to make phone calls, trying to sort something out. So it, it was a big mess. Uh, but, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing I got together finally, like with this. Oh, they started off with me doing the British. We put everything together in just a couple of days. Uh, and yeah, I'm beyond thankful for, for all the guys helping me over there uh, to make sure I could get a bike to ride at all. And uh, yeah, we got that first race win. Uh, so we got the red plate straight away there. And I think the week after I probably signed for VHR, uh, the French team for the GPs. So, yeah, I came together pretty cool there. So I could make sure I had a team to ride the GPs for, uh, stay in France, practice there, train with them, and then just fly over and do the British on a similar bike um, with some people I know from before. So, yeah, to get the title also uh, after all this was was a nice bonus for, for everyone. Absolutely, mate. And how have you found the training program that you run and obviously spending a lot of time in France? How is it, mate? And how is living in Paris? Must be pretty cool. An opportunity not many people get. So you're just relishing it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, it's been uh, a lot of organization, a lot of traveling for me doing both championships. So whenever we had a weekend off from the GPs, I went to do the British. So uh, and yeah a lot of organization to make it happen also for me but yeah i still got to enjoy paris a bit it's been nice we had very good weather here all summer uh it does get very hard packed though all the tracks but i think it might have been good for me because i feel like at, in turkey and stuff i started to now when i'm getting back to shape again it's taking a long time since i missed all winter but I feel like I'm getting a bit better, like my lap times are getting better and I can mix it up a bit more in the front. 
So I think Mike, that, that might have to do a little bit with the tracks I'm riding around there. Yeah. And yeah, the program is like, it's more, I'm more free, basically. Like it's not a big team and they kind of let me do whatever I want and the way I want to do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Like it's, it's been a relief for me to just, yeah, be able to do what I want and, and control my own program together with my physical trainer that I have from Sweden, Erik Rosendahl. Yep. And uh seems to be working all right. Like now, by the end of the season, I'm starting to, yeah, get get back to it. Like I'm starting to get the speed up again. Uh, but yeah, it's been a long journey to come back here. Uh, just kind of racing myself into shape, basically, because yeah, if you have race every weekend, you can't you can't really practice much in between there. So <laughs> just in the beginning, we're just trying to survive all the races without crashing or like getting injured. To then make sure I could get back into shape for the for the last part of the season, which was my goal. Yeah, and do you have like a trainer in France helping you there, giving you pointers, you know, managing you as well, or are you just doing it all by yourself? And also, how have you found the bike, the platform, the gas gas they've given you? Obviously, it's a pretty competitive bike, as you showed in Turkey. Obviously, not probably like the Red Bull gas gas or anything, but obviously, you're pretty happy with the bike and all the parts, and it can certainly hold its own still. Uh, yeah, I don't have a trainer on there, uh, so it's. Yeah, it's basically me doing it with the mechanics. And uh, yeah, I kind of set up a little bit the program together with my physical trainer who helps me also a bit with the riding and then try to just have the mechanics fill me a little bit and I try to analyze myself and stuff. So uh, that's not easy, but I think it's been working quite all right anyway. And it's been a fun, fun trip doing it that way. Uh, more like a kind of privateer thing but with a good backup of of a good team and, and good guys around me and the platform we're still on the old chassis uh, so we're not on the on the new bike and i think that helped me maybe a little bit because i had a lot of information from last year already from that bike so uh, that that was a good thing for me and yeah i think we have we have a good bike it's decent uh we, we've just been struggling a little bit with the starts but that's obviously very hard to compete with because like the top 10 is almost all factory bikes mm. and then to try and compete there with a like privateer bike basically it's not easy but i think i think we're doing uh, i think we're doing a pretty good job anyway oh mate it's nothing short of impressive that's for sure have you found the language barrier a bit of an issue or do they all speak english the guys you deal with how's that been for you no they've been very good like uh they're not Obviously, in, in France, they're not, like, very good English speakers, but they have been so, like, welcoming and open to me, and they, they've they gotten better at speaking English as well throughout the year. Uh, they're all on different levels, but, no, it's been all good, actually. We, we've, we've had a good time and, like, no stress at all. It's been all, all good times. Right, sounds good, mate. And just give us a little bit more of an insight into all those wheelings and deals you had to sort of do in the off-season because you hear a lot of guys doing the privateer thing, you know, organising so much stuff from travel to gear to everything. You know, it's a lot you guys put into it and you've got to try and train and keep yourself focused 
on top of that, you know, the factory guys, they just focus on the training and racing a lot of the time and putting out a few, you know, various things for their sponsors. But there's a lot for you to do, mate. I bet during that off season, especially and throughout the year, it must be pretty savage for you. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. And then uh, just like, yeah, the opportunity came up there with the British and they reached out to me and they wanted to help me uh, with everything that was going on. And then, yeah, I still had to sort out the deal like between me and them and Austria, Gas Gas Austria and Gas Gas UK, sort out what bike we wanted and yeah, you need all those small bits, you know, like suspension, you need gear deals, all that. And sort it out in a short short time and then just also taking the decision to go ride the race. Like basically I <laughs> basically just went from the couch, uh, took my car over there to the UK, tried the bike a little bit on Saturday and just raced. And like, yeah, what else am I gonna do? Like uh and it turned out good. And then from there, I had to move from Belgium to Paris uh, when I signed the deal with the French team. So I just packed everything I had into my Volvo. Uh, whatever I couldn't fit in the car, I threw away or I left there with, with Dave, uh, who I was staying with some time, and just drove down to Paris, moved in there, got going, done a couple of days on the bike, then went and done the first GP. And it's just, after that, it's just been going on, uh, weekend after weekend. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, it's sorting out deals that late in the season. Uh, it's not easy with the money and that. So that's been something to make it all work. Uh, yeah, I had to be very organized with all the, all the travels and stuff. But, yeah, I've got very good help from the team and... Uh, both from the UK and from here in France. Yeah, I bet you've learned a lot, mate, sort of grown personally as well, dealing with all this stuff. And you sort of got to have a lot of mental strength and dedication to, you know, obviously love what you're doing and the passion shines through, mate, to see that. And I guess it would have been a pretty cool reward having that cool moment at the home GP with the lit kit, the helmet, the flag around you with the cape while you were sort of spinning some laps there, mate. And the fans looked like they were just absolutely epic there with the flares and everything so how was that mate must have been pretty cool just to go there and enjoy it a bit it was also nice to see you got on the mxgp behind the gate show they did a little segment there mate so that's pretty cool have you got some good feedback about that too yeah yeah i have that that weekend was awesome for me it was super hectic actually like uh was a lot more people there than i would have thought and like you said like the flowers and the chainsaws and yeah, it was mental and then also that brings course a little bit pressure and yeah if you're not like Jeffrey Hurling or those guys who have that every weekend then it's definitely something new for you so uh, being, brings a bit pressure but was still all right weekend I went yeah. to 7-7 seven, seven, I think so that was okay I put on a little bit of a show at least and yeah just met a lot of fans and a lot of kids and stuff uh, made a lot of time for that uh, yeah I just think it was good also for the sport in Sweden, like the the national TV came out there and the radio and they they done some articles and yeah, appreciate that. Oh, that's awesome, mate. Yeah, having that sort of 
backing must be pretty cool and sort of definitely vindicate your decision to keep going and you know push through all the bullshit you would have had to get through just to be there you know so and how did you find the track mate obviously a lot of talk about it the weather didn't help there was sort of a lot of chat about it being one line and hard to pass how was it personally for you or it didn't really matter that much because it was a home gp and everything was good mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no there that's actually true a bit that with the one line thing uh saturday i think it was really good uh it was quite dry then. And then we had a lot of rain for the Sunday. So that's why it ended up like just one line track. And for me, that was a little bit unfortunate because my speed was quite all right that weekend. And I was like seven, eight there. And I always had those two, three guys just in front of me. We were on like, uh, yeah, we were all like in a couple seconds there. So felt like I could have done a bit more passes, uh, especially there in the second race. I went for an outside there and just tried to make a pass, but went down instead. But yeah, it's still a good track and just the weather is hard to control. And when you get a mud race, then yeah, it's easy that the track gets one lined. Yeah. And what have you thought of the tracks in general in MXGP? It's been a bit of a mixed bag, obviously some really good ones, some really challenging ones, tough ones to pass on. I guess obviously Sweden and Vanta come to light, especially there, mate. But your take on overall, I guess the guys don't have a heap of time to do track prep with so many classes and support classes. You know, what do you think? Should they run the EMX stuff more on the Saturday and maybe, you know, give them more time and yourselves more time on the Sunday to have some prep in between races and do the watering that needs to be done? What's your take on all of it? Or are you happy with it? And I guess, do you prefer the one or two day format? Uh, I think it's all right now with the EMX classes because, yeah, if it's muddy, they send them out first in the yeah. morning. <laughs> they clean up the track for us. Uh, that's that's great. <laughs> but no, I think it's pretty good because if it was only us riding and they prepped a lot, I think the tracks would be a lot flatter. And I don't like that. I want the tracks to get yeah. pretty rough. So no, I think the tracks have been, they've been all right. Sometimes they get a bit one line, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like we always have that discussion like every year or all of the tracks. So I don't know how actually our track is supposed to be. They're yeah. all different. So sometimes you have one, one line, sometimes you have more, you you always try to get more lines, but it should help having those EMX classes and be able to make the track pretty wet and ripped uh, to then let it dry out. And then you get all those lines. So, I think it's a good concept. Yeah, and that's a really cool, cool insight, mate. The one or two days format. Um, the one day format is, is pretty nice. You just get in there, you do a day, and, and you get out. But I guess it's hard to compare because when I was doing that in 2020, it was during COVID. So we had like a week where we'd done three races. So we raced. I think Monday, maybe Thursday and Saturday or something. I remember I the Lommel one, you had an awesome performance. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I had really good races there as a fill-in rider. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I did like that format too then, obviously. But <clears throat> I think it's, it's less stress having this weekend format because you can, yeah, you, you come in there on Friday uh, you have the whole Saturday basically to learn the track. Your Saturday is quite chill. There's no pressure. 
and then you're racing Sunday and then you go back home and you only have, yeah, you maybe do one or two days maximum riding in between. Then you go to the next one uh, while having the, the one day format, especially like we had it with three races in a week, you're just racing, racing, racing. And then maybe you go back home for two weeks or something. And yeah, it gets a bit boring then because when you're, when you're in the races, you kind of want to race every weekend. I think it's pretty nice because otherwise you feel like you're in shape, but you keep training for two, three weeks and then there's no racing going on. And you're like, yeah, I just want to get back to races. But no, I think I, I, I like the two day format. It's better. Yeah, man, I suppose like you said about the tracks, there's a world championship, so you guys got to be tested on a range of surfaces and conditions, and that's probably what you guys want as well to be challenged. And just your talk on the qualifying race points, have you found that a good addition to the series too or not so good? Uh, well, yeah, maybe it's pretty good. It's like a motivation to, yeah, you if you get, another position you actually get one more point and not just another step on the gate which maybe doesn't really matter so makes it a little bit more interesting for sure uh but i think i don't think i have like too much to say about it because i'm not fighting for the championship am i so it's more it's more to ask those who ride in the top like adabu Everts and like yeah Prado and, and those guys what they think about it uh, I don't know what they think about it actually obviously Prado probably likes it yeah it is one basically all of them uh yeah it's a bit of a mixed yeah, bag talking to guys really it's sort of some like it some don't you know the elevated risk or I guess you could run a format like the ADAC it's kind of similar they obviously have three point scoring motos in that so I don't know is it worth changing it to something like that to maybe give it even more impetus it's a tough one. Would you like to do three 25-minute races on the weekend, for example? Would that interest you? Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah one on maybe. Saturday, no, two on Sunday. So. No, I don't think... I think it's enough how it is, actually. <laughs> uh, it's enough racing already. We ride quite a lot on the weekend. Mm. It's, yeah. it's basically, yeah, like three hours in total. One and a half Saturday, kind of one and a half Sunday, too. So I think it's already enough riding. And it's like you said, it's the qualifying race. I'm normally better at a qualifying race than a time qualifying. So I like it, but I also understand why people don't like it because it's, it's a much bigger risk than doing just the time qualifying yep. with the start and all that. But yeah, I think this concept, this concept is good. We might just keep it going. Yeah, I think that'll be the plan, mate. And how exhausted are you after a weekend? Because it's a lot of riding, like you said, and you listen to the guys like Chase Sexton and Nicoletti talking about the SMX on the weekend, obviously much less riding time than you guys do. Different sort of stuff too. But yeah, they said they're absolutely exhausted after that. And I guess, how do you feel after a weekend, mate? And how important is that recovery, getting straight back into it and priming yourself for the next weekend? Yeah, I mean, it does get tough on you, uh, especially that, Sometimes when you have a weekend off from the GPs, uh, some some people also race like national races and stuff. Not all the time, but sometimes. But a lot of them have a weekend off while I went to do the British, uh, which is which is tough on you because every time you race, it's definitely harder on you than training. 
and you kind of you need to feel a bit sharp coming into the weekend and to try and feel sharp coming into every weekend during a summer that's pretty hard so some of the weekends have been worse than others like I had a tough one in Arnhem I remember because yeah after Udevala I was quite exhausted with everything that was going on there and then I've done a little bit, just a little bit too much training maybe in the week there. And then then you're like, just coming into Saturday, you know, it's going to be a long weekend. Uh, and it was, and that, <laughs> that was tough. So you need to be good at reading your body and being able to take some days off because racing all the time is, is tough on you. Yeah, it's probably mentally hard to do that because you think, I've taken day off. Everyone else is working. They're getting better while I'm not. But, you know, recovery is just as important, same as sleep, as actually doing the work. So I guess you learn a lot in that aspect too, mate. But I wanted to also ask you on another topic that divides the opinion. Obviously, it's impacting you coming ahead, the age rule. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it should be raised to 25? Do you think it should be appearance-based, performance-based? Is there any opinions from you on that, mate? I've heard a lot of things about it. It's an interesting one. It makes for good discussion. And just for someone that's going to affect, it'd be great to hear your opinion. I'm sure the fans would be very interested. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Because, yeah, if I were to stay here, MXGP, then I have to move up to 450 next year, which I want to do because I want to ride the big bike. But, yeah, I understand some, some people want to stay. And I think it'd be better to kind of lift the age rule uh, mix the classes up a, a little bit because the MXGP class is getting stacked and then people can't find a ride so they kind of stop or they have to back down on a national level and stuff and that's not how you want it like you want everyone to be able to do the GPs or at least 40 riders and same goes with the mix class I think you could change the age rule there uh, maybe you could only ride EMX until you're I don't know, like 20 or something. Like then you have to move up to do MX2 class. So then, because there's a lot of people actually doing the EMX class, the EMX250, uh, and they're good riders. So I feel like we could try to push them in the MX2 class just to fill out, you know, and that would also bring their level up, surely. That's pretty cool, mate. It's an interesting one to look at. And would have you preferred to stay, say, MX2 next year, or you find the time is now with your size and just the way you're mentally ready? You're ready for that 450 by the sounds of it, mate. And have you got much riding time on one? Uh, I haven't been riding that much, but I've definitely I've done some time on a 450. Uh, but yeah, I prefer to go up a little bit with my size and stuff. Like, I need to. Uh, with my body, I kind of need to control myself a lot to keep the weight down for a 250. And then it's also like if you can't get a factory ride on a 250, it's hard to compete in the starch. It's still hard in a 450 class for sure. I just feel like you have a bike with that much power that at least you can probably compete a bit more in the starts. Yep. And that's such an important thing in racing nowadays. So, nah, uh, I think it would suit me better uh, also with my body. Yeah. Obviously, you're still working out things for next year, mate, but just give the fans a bit of an insight. Are you keen to head MXGP or you just, whatever comes your way, you're still talking to teams, working out some deals, but we should still see you around. I will definitely be racing next year, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like, no, I'm not stopping. Yeah. 
plans I have so far is that I want to ride a 450 and then where I'm going to do it, I'm not sure yet, but I might be trying something new outside of Europe, but it's definitely nothing done yet. So I could end up in Europe still, but yeah, I'm quite excited to maybe go try something new. I think it could be a cool experience. Well, I also feel a little bit like we were talking about the age rule and that like, feel like in Europe we kind of need to change something a little bit with MXGP to fill out the classes and stuff I don't feel like we're really moving in the right direction mm. there yeah so yeah we'll see where I will end up uh, I'm uh, yeah I'm a bit excited myself because I, I don't know um, I don't know what I'm going to do but <laughs> yeah I'm sure I'll sort something out that'll be exciting to share the news when you do mate it sounds like you got some cool stuff in the pipeline but yeah, it's an interesting point too because you see, like I know on MX Vice, we put a post up of results and everyone's always going on about the entry lists. Now there's no people on it, especially on a one like Turkey. I suppose you look at it when you're watching the racing, you don't really notice it, but it's definitely something the fans are always commenting about. So you make a good point there, mate. And some of those changes you mentioned would be kind of cool to see them implemented because I obviously know the MXGP class, they want that to be the absolute pinnacle, the elite. They're trying to funnel all the elite talent into it. So it's interesting because the step is so massive once you get there, isn't it, mate? So it must be kind of daunting looking at that because you see the AMX 250 to MX2 step, those guys like Rossi and Zanke and Erne, for example, straight in the top 10, you know, they hold their own. That's not as big a step, but that MX2 to MXGP is massive. And obviously the difference in equipment and resources, if you're not on a factory team, makes it pretty challenging, doesn't it, mate? That's another reason why a lot of guys probably go the domestic championship route and something like the ADAC where you get 700 euros or so for a moto win. It sort of makes sense in prize money too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it would be different if you can go in the MXGP class and there would be 40 riders and you would have a value even if you're the 20th rider and you, you can grab some points and you could get paid for that, you could make a living. While now, if you're, I don't know, maybe outside the top 15 or outside top 10, it's hard, it's hard to make a living and to go in there and compete and come in the top 10 among those factory riders. Yeah, not many people can do that. So, yeah, that's why it's very daunting. It's a big step. Uh, yeah, I think I think that could change a little bit. Yeah, no, well said, way. mate. And coming up, you've obviously got the motocross nations with Sweden. You're happy with the team? It's a pretty strong outfit you're sending. I mean, obviously, there's some pretty good riders just in the general talent pool. Obviously, guys like Freddie Noren aren't going and Anton Gold, but there's been some good guys testing themselves in the EMX to all the way to MXGP classes like Frisk, Alm, Gerhardsen, Ambjornsson, Olsen, Looning, Parlson even. You know, it's pretty cool, I guess. You're helping inspire the next generation of riders coming through in your country. Have you certainly seen some growth in the sport there? And how excited are you for the nations, mate? The vibe should be excellent. And I think you'll be a fan favourite again there, mate. The Swedish guys will be coming out to support you, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. No, I love the nations. I'm really looking forward to it, especially in Arne here in France. I think it'll be pretty cool. Like the last time, when was it the last time? Was it? 2015 or yeah 15 yeah absolutely smashed it yeah yeah there were so much people there the vibe is unbelievable so it'll be cool to experience that also i'll be stepping up to 450 uh, for the nation so that'll be cool new thing and i'm excited for that try something new uh, i already have the 450 here actually in the workshop so 
Uh, I will start training on it very soon. Uh, maybe tomorrow, uh, but I'm not sure yet. And uh, yeah, we got a good team. It's unfortunate Freddie Noring couldn't come over. Uh, he seems to be in good shape. Mm. But, Did yeah, well on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Oslin's been doing well in MXGP, which is pretty cool. I guess do you chat to him much on weekends and just during the week to get some updates and just chat racing and anything like that? Yeah, we're good friends and uh, we don't live too far off each other in Sweden, but I'm never in Sweden really <laughs> anymore. But anyway, and then we have Philip Bengtsson, yeah. who's been unbelievably fast a couple of years ago in MXGP or he was quite yeah, like what, 2014 or 2015, something like that. So, but he's also with his experience and stuff, and his body, like, he's very uh, light, so he wouldn't have a problem stepping down on a 254 stroke. Uh, he was motivated to do it, so it would be great for, for everyone because I'd rather ride a big bike. So, no, that would be cool. But like you said, with the growth of the sport, uh, yeah, I feel like we we have good, very good riders in Sweden. Just uh, I would like to see a little bit more people coming out doing EMX and some international races because I feel like we're uh, a little bit behind there now. Uh, I think before we had more riders, more one to five riders, more maybe eighty five riders. Also, that's quite early, but also EMX two fifty. We're mixing it up a little bit more. But yeah, we still have some names coming up like Frisk and uh, his name Lobanal and those guys. So yeah, uh, I wish I wish them all the best. I've heard the Swedish Championship is quite strong. Is that definitely still the case, mate? Are you happy with the level there? You hear a lot from the riders at race. It's a good hit out for them still, and they probably make a bit of decent money from local sponsors too. Yeah, I don't know how it is with the money really it's not like the british and uh, adac and stuff definitely not but uh, i think the level is all right still it's not that bad everyone is better on a national level uh, from what i experienced like coming over to the uk can be it's not easy for example like some of the riders go really faster uh, uh, at their home place or yeah. at their home tracks and all that compared to what they do at a gp and that's something you especially see in Sweden, I think. Uh, like, it's a big difference from racing, from for them racing there and then racing GPs. That's why I want more people to go race international a bit earlier and start doing that more to get that experience because otherwise it's hard to make it. But it was a long time ago, I think, since I've done some Swedish Championship. But I've done it in, in, in 21 yeah, I think I've done some in 21 with the latest. And yeah, yeah, you could probably step up a little bit. But yeah, it's hard for me to say. Uh, I just I just want to see more riders go, go international. Yeah, mate, that's the way to go, that's for sure. And with so many US viewers and listeners in Australia, just tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got into motocross as a kid. Was your dad the sort of key figure? And I guess so much hard work, sacrifice goes into it from you and your family to get where you are. And yeah, so just tell us a little bit about the journey growing up, mate, to where you are today. Yeah, so basically I started off when I was seven years old, which is not super early. And it was by yeah, my mother and my stepfather and my uncle who got me to start riding. 
Um, I, I thought it was really cool, so I just wanted a bike and yeah, started off doing some training camps and stuff, and yeah, we started going to some races and yeah, I wasn't very good then. I think on 65, I started to race a little bit international, and I was quite all right. Uh, then stepped up 85, I was riding not so good, kind of lost a bit of motivation there, and then uh, got going again and started riding good in 85. And since then, we've been, yeah, together with my, my family, we've been, yeah, doing it like pretty serious. and started racing more international uh, on the one to five there doing a lot of training camps uh, spent a lot of time with Kenneth Gundersen actually his training camps uh, together with Kevin Orgmo yep yeah so we we grew up riding together uh, a lot and uh, yeah I think that's pretty cool because we followed each other kind of yeah, we're the same age also. So we follow each other on all the bikes, all the steps. And we both went up to one to five when we were like 13 year old. Uh, Who used to win more super, back then? Super short. Oh, I think it was more him. It's more him that was winning. Uh, he was, I feel like he's always been the faster one. Uh, yes, yeah, he's always been the faster one there. And then it was maybe just in, just in 2020 maybe. When I came in as a filling rider, that's when I started beating him. And I think he was struggling a little bit that year in the GPs. And uh, at 21, he went back to UMX. I was doing the GPs. And then we finally came together to ride GPs in 2022 again last year. And yeah, he was really fast last year. Really good. He's also good this year. We had some, we've had some battles. And yeah, it's just cool to see that we grew up riding together and now we're both at this level so and we've done quite a similar journey yeah it'll be cool mate obviously you're both moving up to the 450 next year so that'll be cool to see how it plays out do you find time on the weekend to go and chat to him have a bit of banter have a laugh as well yeah we do yeah we always do that and especially before the start and stuff so yeah, yeah that, that that's fun yeah, mate. And just a couple more before we let you go. Just any advice for young riders coming through in Sweden and anywhere, I guess. What would you say are the key pieces of information that would help them or what are suggestions for you? Is it good to go to a facility younger? Obviously, talking to Matthias Jorgensen, who's from Denmark, and he was saying those cold winters really sort of grow a pretty robust, sort of tough human. So when you're younger, you know, it's good to kind of stay in the Scandinavian area, I guess, from his point of view, battle it out like that and sort of grow and learn those tough days and wet, muddy, cold, you know, it sort of builds a bit of strength and mental resilience. So your take on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a bit right about that. It's good to it's good to get mentally strong as a kid or have someone to, to push you a bit, but maybe not, maybe not always your parents. I think it's good if your parents are quite relaxed and maybe take a, they take a step back and more yeah just support help out not push too much and then maybe you can find a trainer like i did and go on a lot of camps and stuff join in there and have them push the kid a bit more uh, but then also like i said it's good to get out international quite early uh, race international because especially swedish people i feel like they're quite like they're quite shy uh, they don't take much place and stuff and you need to learn the opposite way you need to learn like 
European way. And uh, yeah, that that's one thing. The experience there has a lot to do with yeah your performance when you get out to the GPs finally, I think. Yeah, it's a good point, mate. Yeah, hope lessons can be learned. There's always a way to better yourself. And that's a pretty good approach to have, I reckon, mate, to sort of with the training and the coaching, it's a good way to do it. And just what are you sort of also, what are your hobbies outside of motocross, mate, to take your mind off? It's a pretty heavy, brutal kind of all in sport. Do you have things you like doing outside, like playing golf or any other sports, following other professional sports, this kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I I follow cycling a lot, actually. Road cycling. So now, right now, Vuelta España is on, so... Following that and cycling, I enjoy cycling. Uh, that's yeah, that's a big thing. Other than that, it's not it's not that much. Like if I'm in Sweden, and sure, uh, I can do some other stuff and uh, probably enjoy some other hobbies. But especially when I was younger. But while now it's difficult, you're just racing and traveling and all that. So it's not that much you can do. And I'm not much of a computer guy or like a game, like playing, not a gamer at all. So, no, I enjoy following some sports, but especially cycling. That I like that. I always go in the winter to like Grand Canaria and stuff for some cycling camps. Oh, cool, mate. That's awesome. So, yeah, probably uh, the weather stays pretty good there all year round, I bet, mate. Even in the winter, it's not too bad. So, And also, have you had a chance to sort of sample the cafes and the restaurants around Paris, mate? Because you always hear the food's pretty good there. So how have you found that? Uh, yeah, I find it pretty good. But I haven't been a mo- like been around that much. I kind of feel like I've not taken advantage of everything yet. Uh, <laughs> it's been too much going on. I need to go a little bit more into the city. Like, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've been into the Centrum, uh, which is bad because it's a very nice place and it's not that far for me. So uh, maybe I'll try to go in there a little bit more now. Uh, maybe off the nations and stuff, go in there, enjoy the city a little bit more. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But no, it's a very nice place. It's good. Just all, like, around Paris, it's just it's not that nice. It's a lot of like ghettos and stuff, mm. but uh, out out on the county or like out in the country and inside like the centrum, yeah, there's good. Yeah, cool, mate. Sounds like you're having a good time and making the most of it. And before we let you go, just aims for the last few races of the season. I guess you got the two GPs and Nations. What would you be satisfied with? And just give us a rundown of all the people you'd like to thank as well for making it happen. And I'm sure they're grateful for you putting their brands and teams in the spotlight too. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the last couple of rounds, just kind of I need to focus on the starts there, really, because if I can be there in the starts, I would like to get some top five finishes. That's what I want. It's only two races to go, so. Uh, but my main focus is now definitely on the nations uh, to do a solid ride there on the 450. Um, the I've seen it happen a couple of times. People move up to the 450. They done good at the nation so that's what i'd like to do get lawrence and, and yago uh, last year mate yeah unbelievable and uh guadagini also i think yeah matia guadagini i think he moved up 415 he was battling there with tomac or something yeah, yeah it was going really well so i'd like to do something yeah similar. that's but, you this yeah, year mate see. yeah yeah that's it that would be me uh yeah and i'd definitely like to give it up to all the guys in the UK for helping me out. Stebbing, Spike, sure. 
four to six motorsport technical solution, gas, gas, RFA, uh, fly. Anthony Scary, the savings guy, and uh, Steven Sword, uh, Muse family. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. Uh, just been amazing uh, what we've done and that we got the title together. And also, I'd like to thank everyone here in France, uh, Bruno Verhage and his family and the team here and Gas Gas Osha uh, for putting all this together in such a short uh, amount of time there in the beginning of the year. Uh, it's been a good ride, actually, and we're still here doing it by the end of the season and we get to go to the nation. So that's, that's a big bonus. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Exciting end of the year of what's been a very interesting year, mate. I'm sure you learnt plenty and uh, it's really cool to sort of keep track of your progress and all the best for the rest of the season. And before we let you go, I'll just thank the sponsors for the end of this one in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross enduro parts from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, performance cooling parts, such as silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And obviously Kawasaki Motors UK, the arrival of the new KLX140R range, the easy to ride lineup offers a 144cc engine plus suspension and push button electric start making for great trailblazers. The machines come in three different sizes, ranging from junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. Contact your off-road dealership for more information. All right, thanks again, Isaac, and all the best for the rest of the year, mate. It's going to be a good one, I'm sure, and yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much. No worries. Cheers, mate.